Thank you. You're too kind. He was just wrong about one little fact, so I was correcting that. I wasn't correcting his integrity at all. He has my utmost respect, and it's been such a privilege to work with such a godly man, a man that I think uh, is anomaly, only comes around once every 50 or 100 years, a person like Pastor Buckingham. So you're probably, yes, you're probably thinking what is going on at Moncton Wesleyan. What is this used car salesman doing on the stage as a mystery speaker? And why is, not, why is Pastor Joel not the person up here? Well, I'm asking myself the same question right now. <laughs> See, I'm not really qualified to be here, but I want to be obedient to God. And I believe he's going to show up this morning, and I believe he wants to speak to you and I this morning. So if you'll be open to that, um, here we go. So when Pastor Buckingham first asked me to speak, I've got to tell you my re first response. I literally laughed out loud when he called me two months ago. And I thought, oh, my soul, Pastor, uh, are you losing it? You know, Pastor, I know we've had a couple guys quit lately, but is this is what it's come to? <laughs> I mean, isn't this scraping the bottom of the barrel here? Um, so I decided not to say no even though I fully intended to at first, but I always wanted to be obedient to God, and I always want to say yes to God when at all possible. If I believe it's something that he's asking me to do, and I would challenge you to do the same thing, because, see, God uses the weak to accomplish something great sometimes, and he wants to use your life, too. So being totally unqualified and uh, with no professional experience, I stand before you, but excited to speak to what I think God's given me. I went home, and I said to my wife, Barb, Barb, you aren't going to believe this. Pastor Bucking has, has asked me to speak, and she said, what do you mean? Like, do an announcement? Because that's what I thought, too. And I said, no, no, speak. She said, like, preach? And I said, I think so. <laughs> and you know what her response is, was? Truth, truth. She laughed out loud, Mary Lynn, the same as me, literally. It gets better. My daughter, Sarah, okay, which you guys, uh, uh, many of you uh, know, my daughter, Sarah, said to me a couple weeks ago, Dad, is it true that you're going to speak on Sunday morning? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, Dad, do they know you sell used cars? <laughs> so I stand before you with lots of support from my family. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I was saved at age 12. I'm one of four siblings. I have two sisters, uh, Marianne and Pammy, and we're all one year apart. I was 12. My sister Pam was 13. My sister Marianne was 14. And then I have a brother 10 years younger than me. So you're asking what happened there? Don't ask. <laughs> My mom's actually here this morning, and I, and I often want to ask her, Mom, what were you thinking of? But, uh, but I love my sisters, and uh, I want to tell you a little bit about them, too. But I was, I was saved at age 12. But my sisters went down a little bit of a different path. See, they were teenagers, 13 and 14, and they went down a different path than me and started to uh, live out their life differently. But I uh, strive to serve God. Now, did I fail God miserably at times? Yes, I did. Did I fail other people also? Yes, I did. But my desire was, to the best of my ability, to always get back up on my feet and start again serving God. 
So I moved to Halifax in my early 20s and uh, was looking for a church, actually, and found out about a church in Lower Sackville. It was a new church plant. Uh, uh, a young pastor, Pastor Charles and Ruby Bain, were the, the pastors there. Many of you know Charles and Ruby because they now attend Moncton Wesleyan. Uh, they're retired, and they've moved here to, to Moncton to be close to family. And so I found this little church of 40 or 50 people, and I walked through the door, and who was there playing the piano? Barb Bain. I instantly felt called to the work in Lower Sackville. <laughs> I knew God wanted to use me there, and I needed to stick around. See, I've been happily married to Barb Campbell now for over 30 years. She's an amazing wife. She's a, really a blessing from God in my life. And uh, we have three beautiful daughters, Sarah, Selene, and Melissa. Like I said, uh, Sarah is my oldest. She dedicated my grandson last week, little Micah. She was on the stage. A grandson. Am I ever proud and happy? See, I grew up, up around all women. Three daughters, a wife, and even the cat was female. <laughs> and so to have a grandson, it's just like, yes. To have son-in-laws, mixed emotion, okay? <laughs> but am I ever glad to have a guy come over to the house, right, and watch a car show with me, like burp out loud or something, right? <laughs> Do something like a man. So, guys, let me tell you this. You haven't lived, all right, until in the middle of the night you wake up with a headache, only to stagger to the washroom to take an aspirin. And after you've taken that aspirin, you look down and realize what you really took is a Midol. <laughs> I haven't had cramps in years. <laughs> so I'm told that a sermon needs to have like three or four points. Don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm trying to follow, follow some kind of protocol. And, uh, and so I've only got three, so I didn't choose four, bonus. Okay, but I want to do something a little different. I actually want to start with point number three. Is that all right, Pastor? Is that allowed? Okay, because, see, I like to do, I like tangible and practical advice. See, tell me what I need to do. Give me instructions. Don't give me innuendo or generalities, like you just need to serve God. Even though that's true, you've got to tell me how do I serve God? Do I go to a class? Is there a book I read? Is there something I need to do tomorrow? Give me the steps to serving God. And I believe this morning God has some steps for you and I, some tangible things that you might want to adopt in your life that I think will change things for you starting today before we leave this parking lot. And so about a year and a half ago, around New Year's, I decided to ask God, God, what is it this New Year's, New Year's resolution, that you want me to do uh, in my life? And God often answers those kind of prayers. When you say to God, God, what do you want me to change in my life? Search me, God. I believe he'll do that, and he'll convict us when the time is right. And so God did that for me, and God, I've got to tell you, gave me something to do, tangible, that literally has changed my spiritual walk. Next to dedicating my life to Christ, I believe this is the most significant thing I've done in my life, and it has made the most difference in my spiritual walk than any other thing. Do you want to know what it is? 
I want to tell you, but it's my third point, so you have to wait. <laughs> See, I want to keep you awake and with me. we got about 30 minutes here. That's all I've got. So point number one, what is the secret to a great relationship? We're talking about relationships and marriage. And see, I believe the secret to a great relationship is first our relationship with God, isn't it? Because if we aren't right with God, the rest is not on a solid foundation. So God wants a personal relationship with you or I, and he desires to help lead us okay, in our daily walk. And you say, Kevin, I don't really relate to your story. You know, I, I, I haven't been happily married for over 30 years. In fact, I, I don't have kids that are serving God right now. Quite the opposite. You might say, I've made some really bad choices, and I've got some sin in my life that I'm not sure God even can forgive me for. I don't even know if I can forgive myself for the things I've done. See, I believe that's far from the truth. And if you can't relate to my story, I want to tell you about my sister, okay? My two lovely sisters, Pam and Marianne, both sort of went on a different path, okay? But my sister, Marianne, had a, a, a sensational life. She was the wild child, okay, in my family. She is the free spirit. Anything goes. I'm going to live my life to the fullest without any consequences or worrying about what it all may end up as. And so my sister went down that road and decided to do that. And at age 15, my sister found herself pregnant. At age 16, she was married and had a son. And before you say, oh, my soul, your sister, poor thing, she must be a victim, no, no, no. I think she's been married three times, and I'm, I'm concerned that the husbands might be the victims. <laughs> because my sister very much knew what she was doing. She was chasing the pleasures of this world, and she was going to stop at nothing. I want to show you a picture of her, if I can, right now. And, and you look, there's different pictures here. My sister... Uh, Marianne and Pammy on the boat, they're sitting side by side. And you're going to say, well, her hair's black there, and over there it's blonde, and she looks different over there, and oh my, she's on a motorcycle. That's all her, okay? Hair extensions and wigs, I think. Because see, she, she's like, a, she's like a, a character out of a James Bond movie. She changes all the time. Um, but I love her dearly, and she is really a unique person. Uh, see, Marianne went on to have an unwanted pregnancy and had an abortion. She tried everything and everything. Drugs, alcohol abuse, fortune-telling, tarot cards. I could go on and on. My, my sister's life had consequences, but I want to stand here and tell you this morning that my sister has dedicated her life to God. <laughs> Both my sisters have. Now, they're on a journey, okay? And like we all are, we're all different places, but their desire is to give this all to God. And I believe that's what God wants to do for many of you this morning. A little something for young people, if I can just say quickly. See, I believe when, when God looks down at my sister's life and he says, teen pregnancy, divorce, um, four children by three different husbands, drug abuse, fortune telling, yeah, I can use all this. 
See, once we turn everything over to God, he gets to work, and he wants to use the very things that Satan is trying to destroy our lives with. And that's what he's doing in my sister's life. See, she can relate to people, quite frankly, I can't relate to. My sister, for a time, worked at Teen Challenge because she could relate to the young men there that were struggling with addiction. She felt called to. What's God want to use in your life? Young people, don't believe the lie that uh, Satan's trying to tell you, that there's no consequences to sin. Because you can say, you know, I kind of want to do what your sister did. I want to have some fun. And I'll get right with God too. But I'm telling you, and many people in this room will tell you, there are consequences to sin. And when you kick open the door of sin, Satan takes a foothold. And he'll keep that foothold for the rest of your life. Now, can you have victory? Yes, you can. Will he forgive you? Yes, he will. But you will often struggle your whole life with the things and the choices that you make right now. So I want to put up on the screen the, my, the point, my first point, and here it goes. God isn't concerned about your past. He is only interested in your future. God wants to forgive it all. He wants to use it all for his glory. You might say, what? Is this in the Bible? You know, God wants to use everything in my life. The things that I'm ashamed of, the things that I feel like I'm, at best, I can be a second-class Christian. No, God wants to use them. There's examples of this throughout the Bible. Let's look at a couple verses here. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we'll put up on the screen. And it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. We also have another verse in 1 John 1.9. Let's look at this. I love this one. If, you can, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I give you a little bonus message here? I'm a car salesman. We love throwing things in for free. Okay? This is like free floor mats. All right? Free floor mats. Okay? Can we give the Bible the authority it deserves this morning? This is the word of God. God really only left us with three things when he left this earth. Okay, He left us with his Holy Spirit, which we all experienced this morning as we worshiped him. You can sense the Spirit of God in this place on Sunday morning as we get together as a congregation and worship him. He also left us the church. Okay, This is God's plan. This is all there is. The church, God says, I will build in the hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are a congregation. We're not perfect. The church isn't. But you know what? Life's stinking hard, isn't it? And we need each other to get through this life. And God wants us to come together as a church and worship him, okay? Have communion with each other and, and do life together with God at the head of, of that. So, is the Bible got any more examples of this, Kevin, where other people, because I'm still not convinced. The Bible is full of examples where God used the least likely to accomplish the great. Peter denied Christ three times, didn't he? One of the greatest apostles. King David. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. David committed adultery and covered it up with murder. Paul persecuted Christians. Moses was a murderer before God called him uh, to lead the people out of Israel. And God also used women. God went against the trend of the day, I believe, where women weren't respected and didn't have a voice. I think he was the first feminist because God used many women. He used Mary Magdalene, all right, whose life was demon-possessed when he first met her. 
Uh, Many scholars believe she was a prostitute before God saved her. But she was there beside God, beside Jesus, throughout his crucifixion. And she was the first person that Jesus appeared to in his resurrected body and said, Mary, go tell. So ladies, you're not off the hook. God wants to use your life also. So point number two, if our lives are right with God, and I believe many of you this morning, God wants to do something in your life. I believe at the end of this service, I want to invite you now, be prepared for the end, to come down front and say, Kevin, I want to deal with this sin in my life. I want this forgiveness that you're talking about. I want to put this all behind me. I want God to use the very things that I'm ashamed of for his glory and allow me to be used by him. But uh, secondly, once we are right with God, what about our relationships with others and with our spouses and with our family and coworkers? Something tangible again. Let me ask you this. Do you remember when you first fell in love? The emotion of that, how exciting it was and how you were motivated to do the right thing. In the Campbell household, we, we have a name for this emotional feeling because of the three girls uh, that I, ha- I had to go through adolescence with and, and teenage years, uh, which I wasn't equipped for. Uh, we had a name for it. We called it the tinglies, all right, the warm fuzzies. And as they brought boys home and said, oh, daddy, he is so wonderful. He's just perfect. I said, Perfect. You, you got to come over here and look from my angle because I see faults. <laughs> but they see no faults. See, because when we first fall in love, we are so motivated to do the right thing. And as we feel those emotions and do the right thing, then sparks come to our relationship. But life settles in, doesn't it? And we get married and have kids and buy homes and we have bills and we realize that each other aren't perfect. We see each other's faults, and all of a sudden, those warm fuzzies tend to fade away. And because, excuse me, we don't feel those emotions, we often don't do the right thing. So, this was taught to me by Pastor Buckingham. You might have heard it before. What if there was a solution? What if we could reverse this, okay? What if we could actually start doing the right thing, and that would bring back the emotions? I believe it does, because it's been true in my own life. So I want to challenge you to start maybe doing the right thing. Guys, can I challenge you? Because the ladies are better at this than us, all right? So here's a tangible thing for the guys this morning. Guys, to show your wife that you love her, to bring back maybe that spark you first felt, I want to challenge you to do something even today before you leave this parking lot. Will you, for me and your wife, and some of you might already do this, but I believe many of you don't, will you, first of all, allow your wife to walk in front of you as you leave this auditorium? When you go out those front doors, will you open the door for her and allow her to walk in front of you, maybe make eye contact with her so she feels special, so that she knows that you're putting her first, that she's important to you? And can we go one step further? When you get to the parking lot, guys, Will you walk around to her side of the car and open the car door for her? Whoa, that might be a shock for the ladies, right? Let them know that they're special and that they're first. And I think you will start a pattern that will create a spark. How many guys will commit to do that this morning? We might need, look, I got all kinds of hands. That's awesome. Ladies, 
if we forget, first thing, because we are forgetful, I need you to stand at the car door, just kind of hang around there, right, <laughs> waiting. You know, he'll get in his side, and you'll have to, oh, get out, come around. Don't let him off the hook, all right? He's made a commitment to you this morning. So, what's the biggest pitfall that Satan uses in our relationship in our lives? What's he use that's most destructive? I believe Satan has a tool, and if you only hear one thing this morning, this is what I want you to hear. Satan is using unforgiveness in our lives. We can bring it up on the screen. Bitterness and anger. I believe unforgiveness is a weapon that we don't fully understand its effect. Unfortunately, Unforgiveness is a seed that takes root deep in our soul that grows into something very ugly and destructive, infiltrating all areas of our lives. We carry around this unforgiveness, justifying its existence, feeding it as it grows, and eventually it grows into bitterness and anger. Unforgiveness is a jail cell that we walk into and sometimes we stay in there almost justified and proud. But that jail cell door is wide open and we can walk out of it anytime we want, but many of us choose not to. Let's read a couple of Bible verses that, that talk a little bit about this. Colossians 3.13 says... Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive everyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive him also. See, God has a condition on our forgiveness. You say, wait a minute, what did he just say? Pastor, I think he's losing it now. I was with this guy at first, but he just said God has a condition on our forgiveness. Isn't our forgiveness a free gift that we just have to accept? Yes, it is but it is conditional, and the Bible tells us so. Look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But what? If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Many people will be in hell, I believe, because of unforgiveness. And I think there might be many people here this morning that harbor bitterness in their heart and unforgiveness. So when I say unforgiveness, who comes to your mind? Who is that person that you feel that anger and bitterness towards that God wants to set you free from this morning, I believe? Because bitterness is a destructive thing. God even talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. Um, when, he, when he gave us uh, the Lord's Prayer. Because at the end of the Lord's Prayer, what it says, it says, forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. God taught us this in his own prayer. So I want to challenge you also this morning at the end of the service. I believe there's many of us here that need to deal with this. If you go home today and, and somebody asks you, what did Kevin Campbell speak on this morning? I want you to remember this word, unforgiveness. Okay, because God wants to set us free. And I'm going to invite you at the end for many of you to come down front and to confess unforgiveness in your own life. See, you may be justified in what you feel. You may have been wrong, but it doesn't matter because God has, is justified in not forgiving us, isn't he? But he chooses to anyway. 
Unforgiveness isn't easy. You might say, Kevin, I don't know if I can forgive people. I'm not, I, I can't come down because this just comes back. I've battled this unforgiveness my whole life. God has something to tell us about that. See, in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? He made a suggestion. Surely seven times would be enough. What did Jesus tell him? No. Seventy times seven. Because tomorrow you may need to, re, uh, to forgive somebody again. And the next day, again. And the next day, again. And as many times as it takes for you to confess and say, I need to forgive this person so I can set myself free and I can set them free, God wants us to do that. So, What's my final point, point number three? The bonus that I wanted to tell you about? The thing that God has challenged me in my life that's made such a huge difference? I want to tell you about it because I'm excited. God has challenged me to pray. Now you say pray, that's cliche. Yes, it is, but not just pray. God has challenged me to pray every day on my knees before him to get on my knees and cry out to God and ask him, God, what is there in my life you want to change? To cry out to God and say, God, who is there around me that I need to pray for that you want to change their life? Cry out to God for family, for loved ones and friends. And I got to tell you, God is answering prayer. This has put my relationship at a different level as God and I meet every day, often first thing in the morning. I ask him to guide my life, guide my footsteps, find anything in me that he wants to change, and we do life together every day, God and I. But what's really amazing is the stories, and I want to take time in closing to tell you about a couple of them. But first, I want to tell you about a, a movie um, that I'm going to recommend, and I actually want to give away. See, I've got 50 copies right here of a movie called The War Room. Have any of you seen it yet? This movie is amazing. This movie basically deals with everything I've talked about this morning. It first deals with our relationship with God, vertical. We need to be right with God. Then it deals with relationships, our marriage, and relationships with others, co-workers. But most importantly, it deals with prayer. See, prayer is the key. As this woman and actor in this movie creates a war room and prays in a way that I've never seen demonstrated before, in a way that I think God wants to challenge many of us this morning to pray. God starts working in her life. So I want to make a deal with you, okay? I'm a deal maker. Uh, I want to give away these movies, but I want to challenge you, tangible, something tangible this morning. I want many of you to come down, 50 of you to come down front and grab a copy of this movie for free. All right, But I want you to prayerfully consider what God wants to do in your life with this movie. And then I want you to take it one step further. Will you ask God, God, who can I give this movie to? Who is it that God wants you to share it with? Because I want you to give it away when you're done with it. Can you go one step further? Will you say to that person when you give it to them, I prayed... And ask God who I should give this movie to that made such a difference in my life. And I believe God wants me to give it to you. And then you could even challenge them to pay it forward. And let's see how many times we can pass this movie out. If you don't get a copy of this movie, there are several in our resource center. And you can go sign it out and watch it. I challenge you to take the time to do this. See, it's about practical things to me. 
What can I do today? What decisions can I make that will make the most difference? I want to show you the trailer for this movie, and then I'm going to close with just a couple quick stories of answered prayer I think you're going to rejoice with. You must be the real estate agent. Well, it's so good to meet you. Let me show you the house. This is my favorite place in this house. I call it my war room. You wrote prayers for each area of your life. Prayer strategy. I sure could use some of that. Tony, you should go see your practice tomorrow. I'm out of town this week. When were you going to tell me? I was just dead. Tony! That was my favorite ref. Real good. How you doing? I wish I lived at your house. Whenever my parents are together, they just fight. Dude, I can't get a pass from you. It'd be easier to baptize a cat. I just need you to blow off a little steam, okay? There's one thing we do well. It's fight. You do not want World War III to break out in your home. No, no, I don't. Just because you argue a lot doesn't mean that you fight well. You got to plead with God so that he can do what only he can do. Then you got to get out of the way and let him do You need to do your fighting in prayer. Keep fighting the good. seen anybody do what you did. It's time for you to take off the gloves and fight for your marriage. Lord, we need an army of believers. Lord, call us to battle. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. I like her, don't you? The African-American lady in this movie. So let's rejoice a little bit before we end the service with a couple great stories, some I think that you'll want to know about because they involve our church right here. First, I, God, God, when I started praying to him, I said, God, show me some people that you want me to pray for. Give me my prayer list, God. Give me some names of people that you want me to lift up before you every day, every day, every day. And God did that. He gave me the name of four men and a girl, young men and a young lady. Now, some of them, I have no idea why God gave me their name. They're not even people I have a a, a relationship with, just an acquaintance. Some of them are family, but God definitely laid them on my heart. And for the last year and a half, I've been praying for these people, along with my family and my coworkers and many more. But I've been diligently expecting something great in these five people's lives. So one of them I want to tell you about, but I'm not going to tell you his name. We're going to call him Bill this morning. Because Bill was somebody God laid on my heart. See, Bill was following Christ, but Bill had a failure in his life. Had a moral failure that devastated him. Satan tried to destroy Bill's life, and he was having some success. But Bill shows up to church here once in a while. And I've seen him a couple times in the last few months. So, a few weeks ago, I saw Bill... And I felt compelled to tell him I was praying for him. So I stopped him and said, Bill, I laid my hand on his shoulder. I just need to tell you, I've been praying for you. And Bill started to well up with emotion. His eyes started to tear up. And so I got more courage and I said, Bill, I need to tell you, I've been praying for you every day for the last year and a half on my knees. And Bill left there not knowing what to do with that. 
You can imagine my surprise a few days later when I received a text from Bill. And he said, Kevin, I'd like to get together with you. Can we talk some more? Praise God, eh? Amazing. So Bill and I got together, and God is at work. See, Bill and I talked about the very things we talked about this morning. God first wants to forgive you, and he wants to put your sins in the past where they belong. They don't matter anymore. Your future matters. We talked about how we need to pray for each other and seek out God. We talked about how Bill can hold his head high. We talked about his future and how God had plans for him to prosper him and not harm him and how he could look at his future more brightly. He didn't have to hang his head low and feel ashamed. He could be proud again. Bill and I have met a couple times since, and we've been talking, and we have been texting, and God is at work in Bill's life. I believe we had a life-changing day that day. I believe there is a turn in Bill's life, and he's on a different path. And I believe it's not me. It's just God laying Bill on my heart and wanting to do something great. Who is there in your life that God wants you to be praying for? Let me tell you one more, and I'll be finished. Also praying for a family member of mine. See, I've been praying for my nephew, Sean, for the past year and a half, every day, every day. I told my wife I wouldn't get emotional, but maybe God uses our weakness for his glory. So I got to tell you, Sean is that boy that was born to my sister at age 15. He's the child she had, teenage pregnancy. Sean is now living in Prince Edward Island. He is married to a beautiful wife named Margaret. They have three children. But I've been praying for Sean, and I was surprised a couple weeks ago when Sean called me and said, Uncle Kevin, I'm in Moncton. I'm playing in a basketball tournament, and I want to come see your new building on Bag Boulevard. I said, great, maybe I'll meet you there, Sean. And I said, why don't you and Margaret come over on Sunday? Let us have lunch together. And he said he would, but... I didn't expect he actually would. See, we talk about things like that, but life's busy, and often you don't get together. I even worry that Sean feels some shame and judgment from me, which I would never want to happen. But something amazing happened, and God works in different ways, doesn't he? Not the ways we often think. Because, see, God started working in his wife Margaret's life. To my knowledge, Margaret has no church background. She has nothing in her life that would draw her to God except from the influence of possibly our family. And so you can imagine my surprise that couple weeks ago when guess who walked through the front doors of this very church? Sean and Margaret. They came and sat with us and listened to the message. Pastor Buckingham preached and Margaret accepted Christ as her savior in this auditorium. Would you like to meet her? Because Sean and Margaret are here this morning. Will you guys stand up? They came all the way from Prince Edward Island to to support me. Margaret, this is something Moncton Wesleyan does. We celebrate when lives are changed like yours. Sean has made a commitment to Christ. See, I've talked to them and asked to share their story. And he's now desiring to follow God. And God's at work in his life. Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? 
Can I introduce you to one more person, two more people? My sister, Marianne, I showed her a picture. She's actually here this morning. Will you stand up, sister? She's right here in the front row. This is my wild child sister. And beside her is victim number three, Bob. So as the band starts to play, I want to invite you to come down this morning. See, I think there's many of you that need to get right with God, maybe for the first time. Maybe there's people here that want to rededicate your life. Maybe like my nephew Sean did. Maybe you want to say, I'm tired of all the sin in my life. I want to put it behind me. I invite you to come down front this morning and do that. I also want to invite many of you that have unforgiveness in your life. This is powerful. Come down this morning and make it right with God. Ask God to help you forgive others so that you can be set free this morning. Maybe there's couples here that want to join hands and come down front and rededicate their marriage to God and say, we want to start fresh today. I think many of you want to come down possibly, if nothing else, and get a copy of this movie that's free. Grab the first one, watch it, and see what God can do with it. So as we sing, will you come this morning? Thank you.